0: Are you ready to see that Stanley Cup banner raised again?
1: You are now listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.
0: So we've been told multiple times on Twitter that we're at our best when the Kings are at their worst. Well, if you're one of those people who feels that way, this may not be the episode for you because our (laughs) boys are kind of cooking right now. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy?
2: Hey, man, doing real well, real good. I apologize to anyone in advance if I sound happy and cheerful and positive. You can always go listen to one of the other episodes. There's plenty of venom in the past, Yeah. But not I mean, this time.
0: Pick anyone and you time. have like a 60% chance of hitting. <laughs> easily. <laughs> easily. One. Uh, and to be fair, there is going to be some sadness in this episode because of recent events. And recent health issues with the kings, but overall feeling pretty good not gonna lie. things happening for this team, not only things that they can control, but things out of their control, seemingly falling their way all over the place. so we're not used to this, but we'll take it.
2: yeah, so since the, um, so the last episode was released, again, sorry guys, life happens, but the last episode we released was just. Um, just before they started that little two-week layoff. And then they came back middle of February and they've played 11 games since the last episode. And their record in those 11 games is eight and three, if I'm not mistaken. And the three losses have come against uh, Edmonton, which was the very, very first game back after that two-week layoff, which we already kind of hinted at was going to be most likely a stinker. It's just, it's hard when a team... Is on a roll and then they get two weeks off. And Edmonton, I think, was already playing a couple games to make up for the stuff that was rescheduled. So, you know, and there was in, a little sh-
0: in complete desperation mode, by the way. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So they lost that one, rebounded nicely, rattled off a few wins. And then I think they won five in a row after that. And then came up against the Bruins, perhaps in the worst possible scenario, which was the third game in four nights after winning five games um, and just laid an absolute egg. Like maybe probably the worst loss, just the ugliest loss they've had all season, as far as I can remember anyway. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong there. but No,
0: there was nothing going there yeah sometimes sometimes you you lose with a big score like that and early in the game specifically if one or two things go your way maybe it goes differently this did not feel like that at all it just felt like a flat spot for the kings bruins were also kind of cooking at that time um coming in on a win streak of their own so not it's one of the it's a burn the tape kind of
2: game totally totally and i and i've always said this about games that end that way, like these enormous five, six goal wins, the game, the team that loses is usually not that bad. And the team that wins is usually not that good as, as the score implies. It means that like someone just did not show up that game. Right. Right. And and so, and that became abundantly clear that that was a situation and they followed that one up by going to Dallas and what looked like a game that they were going to pull out, even though Dallas was probably outplaying them.
1: Kings out, got up 3-1. Definitely. Definitely,
2: okay, fine. Definitely <laughs> outplaying them. Um, which is sad because I, I consider that thus far to be the quintessential Artie of game was that game. Because he was just feeling it. Could have for that game
0: Easily. Easily.
2: I mean, there was there was not a puck that came off his stick that wasn't destined to go somewhere near the goal and and you know risk going into the goal. Um, and again, the first time all season they finally play him on this off wing, letting him take clap bombs from from the opposite wing. And what does he do? He just I mean, even, even even when the goalie was coming up with saves, it was like the puck was bouncing off of the goalie with so much momentum that it was going off the post. You know, so it just... So unfortunate that after that performance, Kings went up 3-1, end up losing that game to Dallas 4-3. One of the teams are kind of uh, in a wild card spot playoff yeah. race if you want to consider it that way. Um, So... Little doubt starts creeping in. I think at that point you go, oh, "Crap, two playoff teams. Are they really actually? Are are they really good? Are they are they just good at beating bad teams? Not really clear." They bounce back. They get a win against. Uh, I forget if it was Columbus next or Buffalo next. Um, but they win against Buffalo and Columbus, and then they get to play the Bruins again. Third time in four in four night kind of stretch, and I was worried the same thing was going to happen. I was worried they were going to be gassed on the road, show up flat. Better game, definitely better game. Um, but the Bruins got ahead, and then in my, in what might be one of the biggest—I don't know how to say this properly—like a statement kind of yes. performance, they come back within the last few minutes tie it on a 6-on-5 and that 6-on-5, that the control they had on that 6-on-5 for that last minute that led to the Trevor Moore goal to tie up the game. Some of the best 6-on-5 play I've seen the Kings do in maybe five years, honestly. And then obviously leading to the Athens-U breakaway game winner which I mean, I, I full-on jumped off the couch and, and fist-pumped for you know, right. it it's it felt like that. It felt good like that. All right, I'm good. I'm gonna let you take over a little bit here. I was on a I was on a roll there, I'm sorry.
0: Man. Very difficult to follow that up. Um I mean I agree. I don't know what else to say. The one thing I will That's say good. about <laughs> that last Boston win in overtime. It has all the characteristics of like a feel good win on so many levels. And the first thing I thought of was, funny enough, against Boston a few years ago when Tefoli scored the buzzer beater. Yep. Yep. And,
2: but that was earlier in the season. If I it mean, was earlier in the season, yeah.
0: but but it it gave you that feeling like there's something special ish happening mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. season. I felt kind of the same way, even though it's way later in the season, and it, it, you know, unless there's a pretty monumental collapse, the Kings. Man, I'm afraid to say these words. And I'm very nervous. And the sweat. Careful.
2: Came Careful. Came Easy.
0: Game upon my brow.
2: <laughs> a sphincter or two, Titan there. You know
0: what? I ain't scared of shit. The Kings should make the playoffs this season based <laughs> there on it is. the schedule, based on how well they've been playing, based on what's happening with other teams. There's still a lot of runaway for things to go bad, but I'm, I believe. I hashtag believe. That All right. We'll
2: save this for the old takes exposed. right
0: which we do to ourselves so it's fine (laughs) um but it had the same kind of feel to it it's like okay there's something special with the team not just this season but the way athenas you goes to right like that's exactly
2: what awesome man that that moment so similar dude
0: to the celebration of the foley goal like the pure joy Mm -hmm. and just camaraderie off for one goal that's I think more than anything, that is what reminded me of that.
2: Especially when it's a guy like Athenasiou who's been in and out of the lineup. Um, And we can get into this a little bit, but I think when he is in the lineup, I think he plays his role well. Clearly, he's got three goals in the last two games, right? Am I right about that? I think so. Since he's been back. And to see a guy like him get the goal and his immediate reaction is to, is to go right to Kempi, who was in the box for a more or less forced fight with Forbert at the end of, at the, end of the third, which was hilarious to me. And, and, I had and to do I a tweet, double
0: take on that. I, was like, I, I really had to as well. Out,
2: <laughs> the two unlikeliest people. and I, I tweeted out, like, in jest, I promise you, in jest, I think most people got that I was joking when I said, I'm going to secretly assume that these two have always hated each other. But man, some people really ran with that narrative. There was like all right. these sub tweets that kind of came that like... Exhibiting you oh, as to don't. Yeah, like thinking back to 2013.
0: <laughs> you went a little farther, but yes.
2: <laughs> well, whatever it was, <laughs> you know. But it was seriously, no, it was like, I don't... It's like some people were really getting into it. Like, man, they were drafted the same year. What if like something happened going way back i was like i I was i was totally said that
0: was off by about half a decade they were not
2: i I don't know i don't i'm i'm exaggerating clearly but but my point is that like it was i was totally kidding and i love that some people really took me seriously and kind of started doing some internet sleuthing to trying to figure out whether there really was bad blood between the two of them but the point the point was that um Let's assume hypothetically there was some strategy and it wasn't just the pure anger thing to it. it had, missing Adrian Kempe in a three-on-three overtime is a way more valuable. Right,
0: and that's the first thing that kind of came to mind. Is like, well, there goes our best weapon on the three-on-three.
2: Totally. And, and Arvidsson was already out that game. Correct. Right, because he was hurt. Early, yes. So so in that circumstance, to have a guy like Athanasiou show up use his skills, his God-given ability, his speed, his shot, his ability to make offense from nothing, and then to immediately turn and go straight to Kempi coming out of the box, it just had this vibe to it, man. I, I, I can't even explain it, but like you could just see that there was l- little bits extra from not just like we're a good team to like, oh, there's, there's Mojo here. There it's is good,
0: Yeah, locker room's healthy. Yeah. Like that's those things are so important if you're making the any kind of push or trying to achieve any goal as a group. Like the locker room, you, like that told me everything I kind of need to know about what it's probably like in there right now.
2: Totally, and you gotta imagine from the coaching staff perspective, that's great because you don't have to say anything. When when a team is humming like that, they say it to themselves. They think it to themselves. The boys are talking on the bench, and you're just there, like. Just watching it happen, right? And you got to feel good. You got to feel good as to like what you've helped create there. Because, hats off to McClellan and his coaching staff. McClellan obviously has been out for the last. Yeah, I was going to say days. he didn't. Even, he didn't even have to be in the building. <laughs> no, he didn't. But like, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, they've you know Trent Yanni's kind of taken over, and for the last five games, I want to say, and McClellan back for the last one actually against Boston, but had been, you know, Yanni was was running the bench while McClellan was out for a COVID protocol. And you know, just that's gotta feel rewarding from a coaching perspective. And I'm pretty sure you can you can speak to that because you're you know you you coach kids. I I don't have that experience. But I would imagine that if you're a head coach and you know, you see your boys come together like that, and you see them play well like they did, even in in his absence. You got to look at that and kind of be like, "It, the message is clicking. What we're doing is working. What, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's I'm,
0: probably no better feeling <clears throat> as a coach. And again, I, <laughs> yeah, coaching kids is like coaching NHL. Yeah, it, it, it's the same thing. Same thing. Same
2: amount of pride. much. Same amount of pride.
0: Coaches don't get the same pay. I promise you that.
2: <laughs>
0: but. No, I mean this is cheesy as hell, but that's kinda of why you do it, right? I mean, other other than Tom McClure probably making a couple of mil a year, it's pretty sweet. But at the core of it, that's probably why you start doing it. And that's that's kind of the the feeling you keep chasing as a coach for the rest of your career. Right. Um obviously right. championships, all that stuff matter, but at, at the core of it, that's kinda of the thing you're addicted to.
2: But this is the type of thing that leads to championships, though, I guess of is course, what I'm saying. Of course, absolutely, yeah. Like, if a team does not have that kind of bond, does not have it's that impossible. kind of... absolutely. You don't win. Those teams don't yeah. win. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, the Kings were vengeance against the Bruins, and I like it.
2: It was sweet. Yeah. Sweet, sweet revenge. And now they get a couple of days, well, well-deserved rest. Um, they're going to be down a few guys, it sounds like. Uh, shockingly, it sounds like it's going to be for a few weeks, not even a day-to-day situation with uh, with Lemieux, Arvidsson, and now Mikey Anderson all seeming like they're week-to-week yeah. with various different injuries.
0: You never want to see those words.
2: No. no even, those, those even though
0: day-to-day often turns to week-to-week, and they just listed day-to-day, Right out of the gate, week to week usually means probably tenish games. Yeah, at a minimum, and that's rough.
2: Yeah, that's IR potential. I mean, yeah. when you go week to week, that's IR potential. And again, it comes back to the same fear that we had when they when they kind of had the, the Olympic quote unquote break. Teams humming, everything's going great, and now you start things change for some important players. Right? Like all those guys are, are very important to the structure and the fabric of the team. Um, you you wanna see the rest of the team kind of bounce back and fill those spots, and some of the younger guys now are gonna get some, some pretty hefty opportunities to prove themselves.
0: I'm I am concerned, deeply concerned, but at the same time I feel like the kings are deep the fact that we're talking about Andreas Athanasiu having to sit for as long as he did and coming in and just kind of lighting it up in a very short time right it's a nice security blanket to know that you know we talk all we've talked all season about how what a mishmash of players the forward group is and there's guys who are just waiting for their opportunity and there's guys that probably haven't played that much this year that would play on other NHL teams pretty consistently right now i'm sorry right now that's that's (laughs) probably gonna
2: pay off quite
0: a bit in the next however long these guys are out so in a weird way and you can't ever really prepare for anything like this obviously and i'm sure someone's gonna call rob blake a genius for stockpiling all these forwards after when these injury news or when the injury news broke so but i'm not as worried as i would be in any other season where Top guys went out like that.
2: Yeah, I mean Athanasius is going to slot right into Arvidsson's um, position. Different players, you know. Um, Arvidsson is is very much a
0: better finisher. Dirty,
2: yeah, well, he's a, he's a finisher, but like he's he goes into the dirty spots. He shoots. Like that's you know, you give him the puck, he's gonna, he's going to shoot. And Athanasius, I think, is going to try to make the extra move trying to make the little prettier pass. So it'd be interesting to see how that gels with, with Moore and Dano, Um arty Kalliev now moving up to the top line with some of those shifts. And that's something I'm, I'm excited to see, especially because they've now hinted that that would be something that they're going to stick with right. for a little bit. Um, it's, it's what's interesting to me is that there's, there's several guys on the Kings that, uh, in, in the setting of a full season, would have some pretty respectable goal totals. Athanasiu being one of them. Yes, right. I think he's got eight goals now in uh, like twenty something games. Uh, Grunstrom is another one. Oddly enough, I think he's got seven or eight goals in twenty nine games. I'm, I'm just thirty four. Some yeah, seven so, and thirty four. Yeah, right. And with a very limited ice time. So you're you know, it's interesting. It's interesting because you've got these guys who are who are sitting in the press box who could very easily be 20 goal scorers if given consistent ice time. And the opportunity just isn't there on the Kings. And like you said, you know, I think the, the one thing I will give Rob Blake a lot of credit for is that even though us and a bunch of other people have been saying there's too many forwards, we got to move them, we got to let the prospects play, he has not made a move because he hasn't felt forced to make a move. He hasn't felt the, yes. the need to make a move. And every time we, we get back to the discussion of, oh, there's too many forwards or whatever. Oh, uh, suddenly COVID protocol in December and, you you know, a yeah. bunch of guys suddenly play. Injuries come up suddenly, all these guys play. So, so, I mean, who's to say you got to make any moves at all? Just, just wait for nature to kind of take its course and, and see what happens, you know?
0: Yeah, I want to kind of piggyback off what you said. Right okay. now, Vardy, there are five kings that are pacing for twenty goals.
2: Isn't that something? Ayafalo,
0: right at the, like the cusp of it. If you look at his goals per game average, he's, he's like right now pacing for twenty. Kempe already has has eclipsed that. Obviously, has twenty five. But Arvidsson mm-hmm. has eighteen. Danoe has sixteen. Kopi has fifteen. And like I said, Iafalo has fourteen. <clears throat> and yeah, they're all pacing for it. And I just, I had an interesting question for you. Would you care to venture against the last time the Kings had five 20-goal scorers?
2: Five of them?
0: Five. i will I'll, I'll say this.
2: Was it in the last decade?
0: Yeah. The last time was in, ooh, you know what? We're outside of it now. <laughs> we are outside of the last decade now. So, no. And... It's even longer before that, the last time it happened.
2: Man, so I, I, I guess I don't... Okay, so I confused myself here for outside of the last decade. So you're saying it's... You're talking like 2010, 2011? That's correct. Yeah.
0: Right, right on the money.
2: Because I know I, I had looked to see as a team uh what they were pacing towards uh in terms of team total goals. And I know that uh they're on pace right now to score the most goals as a team since the uh seventeen eighteen season, I wanna say. And that's even if you take like the last few seasons, you know, COVID broken off or whatever, you extrapolate them to an eighty two game. Um they're that, on that pace. Makes sense. Yeah. They're on pace to score the most goals they have as a team since seventeen eighteen, I think.
0: So 2010-11, yeah. the 520 goal scorers. I don't know if you want to guess those, I can just tell you.
2: Uh, just go for it. I, I'm going to screw up. You might as well just tell me.
0: Kopitar, Williams, Smith, Stoll, and Brown.
2: There you go. And,
0: and before that, the last time it happened was 93-94.
2: Isn't that wild
0: that's pretty wild man that's that's pretty crazy um because you know i could tell you like obviously late 2000s weren't the best time and we know who was leading the team but that's a pretty dark period of, of no offense from the kings 93 yeah. 94 luke robitaille wayne gretzky yari curry mike donnelly rob blake last two yeah. times the kings had 520 goal scorers it's very possible it happens this season, especially if I follow has ceased any kind of uptick in his production
2: right right
0: which I suspect he will um so that's that was fascinating to me and makes me very happy uh, I would as, love it if
2: cali have got twenty I think he, he'll get fifteen, but twenty would be something
0: you that's tough man with his minutes well his minutes, that his minutes changed that's what'm i saying that's what I'm saying well so he does have you know an outside chance of over fifteen now, but We'll see how long that lasts, I guess, but as a fan who has always appreciated the offensive side of the game more, I respect, obviously, defense, and I respect a good defensive play as much as the next guy. I mean, the greatest player this franchise has ever had is a two-time Selkie award winner, so I've learned to love it, trust me, Um, but I love to see it.
2: But here's the thing, though. You can't even honestly say that they've sacrificed the defensive side of things because they haven't no um, because i think they're still in the bottom 10 in the league in terms of numbers of, in terms of goals allowed and goals against per game like they're defensively sound absolutely they, they've i don't got think
0: two, i don't think those two things are ever mutually exclusive where like you no. have to sac- good teams don't sacrifice one for the other correct correct yeah that, i think because if you control the, the puck team. then
2: the other team can't score goals and you're scoring goals i mean that's 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 the difference between playing like Lockdown defense and playing puck control hockey, which is most definitely what the Kings are doing right now, is playing puck control hockey when they have the puck.
0: Right. Agreed. Best so, kind of defense is having the puck.
2: Totally. One hundred. It's the most fun hockey to watch. That's <laughs> easy as that. Speaking of fun things to watch, can I can I just do a quick tangent?
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of your podcast.
2: All right. It's, a little, it's both ours, 50-50. but I'm gonna. Just, because we're gonna I, I wanted to ask you this before we started, but um you know, we have on occasion delved into like movie discussions and stuff, and I know you had a chance to see the new Batman movie. I have not had a chance to see it yet. Uh so no spoilers, I've been avoiding them left to right, but you, you already kinda told me that it was good. Yes. I wanted to ask you not not for plot elements or whatever, but you you have a background in film as well, and one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot with like prior movies and stuff wasn't just like oh was the plot good was this good but like from a from a technical point of view like cinematography etc. What did you think of this one in comparison to some of the other?
0: Okay, first of all, um I really thought you were going to ask me after I said the kings were vengeance. <laughs> Oh, I was like, "Oh, you might ask me now." Oh, I didn't Uh, realize (laughs) it wasn't intentional. It's just I just saw the movie, so it's like very fresh in (laughs) my mind. Um, okay. Um, gorgeous movie, beautifully shot. There isn't a color in sight. It is dark. Okay, that's what I thought. No, look. You know how I
2: I struggle with that sometimes. I I struggle with that when it's like too dark and I can't make out what's happening.
0: But I think there's. You can make out what's happening but i think there is something to be said about a movie still being so beautiful visually and still having that darkness that like noir element to it Mm -hmm. um and it's funny because it's like you know when the 89 batman came out everyone was like finally a dark gritty batman movie (laughs) like yes this and then nolan's trilogy comes out everyone's like Here we go. This is darker and grittier.
2: That's right. That's right.
0: And now it's like, okay, this is actually the darkest.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Are we just ignoring Zack Snyder's version of dark and gritty?
0: I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But no, you know, you make a good point. Like, it's like, oh, this is all. So I will say this. After this series of films, however many they are, I feel like it's going to have to start going the other way a little bit. Because you cannot possibly <laughs> like get, like at this point, like an R-rated murder Batman movie is the last like frontier Turtle. for the, yeah, for like the, I love the dark and gritty Batman people. Which I'm one of, but I can recognize that at some point, like it's got to go the other way. I'm not saying let's go all the way to Schumacher, but it has to, like whoever takes over the franchise next, I think they're going to be like, all right, we cannot... Do that again because it's been done a lot and it's been done well a lot so at some point it's going to anyway. Um, great movie if you love the comics I think you'll appreciate a lot of it, because I think. This is this is a very weird statement and i'm trying to f- figure out the right way to say it without ruining anything but. I feel like this Gotham City is the comic book Gotham City.
1: Hmm. Okay. If that makes sense.
2: Yes. The problem is I've <laughs> seen I've seen so many versions of that in so many different graphic novels and right. the animated series and stuff too. And uh Hmm.
1: Okay.
0: I'll I'll say this. And last thing on the Gotham City thing, like the Nolan trilogy, it just felt like a big city, right? Like, they shot it in Chicago. They shot it in L.A. They shot yes. it in Pittsburgh. It just felt like, okay, this is... It didn't have it didn't have character. Like, it was just mm. a nice city. You're like, okay, this is like any American metropolis. Sure. And And it didn't bother me. But at the same time, like, the 89 Batman was, like, very distinct in, like, the character of the city. I
2: see what you're saying.
0: And this one, I think, is like that.
2: I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So so to me that makes it feel and I haven't seen it yet. I'm extrapolating. Um that makes it feel more like the the video game Gotham Cities. Like from the Arkham video games and Arkham City and everything where each neighborhood has its own distinct personality and yeah. You know like part of the part of those games is, isn't just like being the Batman. It's Gotham has a personality. You need to know the nooks and crannies of it and, and that kind of thing. So, yes. Okay.
0: It's not okay. as in depth as that, obviously. Because
2: sure. 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 It's
0: only a three hour movie. I was <laughs> going
2: to say, not that it can't be.
0: <laughs> um, But I liked it. Um, I'm trying to see, like, I'm trying to see if I can rank it. Hmm as my last thing it is not better than the dark knight i don't care who says what and i've seen crazy remarks like that
2: okay okay that's good that's good to know
0: i'm gonna say no it is not better than the dark knight i think you could pretty much challenge every other one though like there's a conversation to be had about every other one um and i you know i love the dark knight rises i know a lot of people don't i know but, but like it might be my favorite Batman movie, Mm -hmm. not the best, Mm -hmm. just to clarify, I know what the best one is, it's not that, but The Dark Knight Rises is my favorite one for various reasons, and I think because I'm kind of biased to that one, I think there's a conversation to be had, like it could, this could unseat at least a couple from the trilogy, Okay. potentially.
2: Can I ask you something, because the Nolan trilogy definitely is more... Realistic take on things. Um, with your comment that that the city this time around is more like the comic version, do you feel that the overall plot and develop, and the kind of direction that they're going is a bit more comic uh, centric in a way? No, I'll give, I'll I know, give you I know
0: exactly what you mean. It's like still... for
2: example, when I watch the Marvel movies, for example. They're not afraid to get a little crazy and, and comic-y, especially yes. at this point. And I'm wondering whether DC now is trying to no go into that a little. Okay, so it, it no, still it's feels still like
0: very much. A they're real still world. trying to make it feel
2: like Batman yes. could be in your city right now. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. And at times, more so than the, than the Nolan trilogy. <laughs> okay. And we we'll talk about it after you you see it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Part part two of this conversation will come. Yeah, but.
0: Uh, it's it's good, man. If you like Batman and if if you if you're into the history of the character and you've spent any time looking through the graphic novels and the animated series, like I think I think it's pretty good.
2: Yeah, and that's that's kind of the side that I fall on. Is you know, you and I, we've we've read the comics, I've read the novels, I've watched the shows, I've I played the games. And so I feel like I've got like 55 different versions of Batman that could possibly be. And so every time I, I see a new spin on it and everyone goes, you know, oh God, haven't we had enough? I'm like, well, look at all these other mediums that it's right, coming. And it's right. like, dude, we keep coming back for it because they keep finding ways to make it somehow different and so and there's never enough.
0: 200 million in a, a weekend yeah, so
2: there's there's never enough for me as far as i'm concerned there's never enough yeah all right
0: like sorry that was okay there's To there's anyone who up.
2: to anyone who tuned this out <laughs> for that moment sorry okay we like movies too i apologize we forgive maybe you. one day we'll start a movie podcast that we will only record once every two months i don't know hey,
0: no worries man the most Podcast apps have a fast-forward button, so they'll be all right.
2: All right, good. Good, fine. good. Okay, back to the boys.
0: Back to the boys. Um, Upcoming schedule for the Kings.
2: Yeah, a little bit. So you you pointed out one thing. You hinted at it anyway. So as much as the Kings have done uh, to win the games in front of them, they have gotten quite a bit of help. Absolutely. F- from some of the other teams that they're competing with for a playoff spot, namely... Uh, Vegas and Anaheim in particular has really dropped down pretty heavily there. Um, But Vegas has not looked like the Vegas of old. Edmonton remains up and down despite coaching changes. So suddenly the Kings find themselves a little more comfortably in second place in the Pacific um, with some games coming up that are very, very winnable. And then some games coming up against some much tougher opponents. Yeah, uh, um,
0: currently, just to go over the standings. Yeah, yeah. Things are far. only four points behind Calgary. <laughs> and that's – Calgary has two games in hand. Sure. But that's still – man, Calgary was a house on fire at some point.
2: Dude, and, it, and, more importantly, they have 71 points. The Kings do yes. with – what is it, 26 games left? Something like that?
0: They have played fifty-eight.
2: Okay, so they have 24 games to go. So if you consider that somewhere around 95 to 97 points gets you comfortably into a playoff spot most years, you're more or less saying that if they could play 500 hockey, they're they're going to be okay, which is just an insane statement to me. <laughs> like I, I would not have imagined at this point that that would be going on. Much less that playing 500 hockey might like much less that they're not playing 500 hockey, they're playing better than 500 hockey consistently. And the opponents they have coming up are very, very winnable games. So let's see here. So they've got the next two are uh, San Jose tomorrow. We're recording this on the 9th. So San Jose tomorrow, San Jose Saturday. I'd like to say that they that they're going to beat san jose but they always find a way to make those games home and homes are tough they're always tough they are and they always find a way to like underperform against san jose for whatever reason so i wouldn't be shocked if they dropped one of those games
0: yeah i i and you know this and this is this comment is not for you specifically but you you can't look at the schedule and be like oh that's two wins against the sharks yeah yeah and that's two losses against florida and, and colorado and then we have the sharks again so that's a win it never <laughs> never works out that way obviously right um but you know seattle's coming up chicago's a tire fire the one obviously that
2: well the chicago just slapped around anaheim they
0: they do that from time to time but they're still <laughs> there's still an absolute dumpster fire um seattle twice correcting myself but the i think That head-to-head against Vegas on the nineteenth, oof.
2: Yeah, that's a big one.
0: That's that's pretty much playoff-like. Yeah, playoff-like game at that point. Not that you know, you're talking about possibly just swapping spots at that point from three because of the way Vegas uh, Vegas is only what three points behind the Kings, but that's a big like separator. That's a true four-point game. Yeah, so that's I would say that one. game and
2: the Edmonton game on the 30th, those are like... The... Right,
0: of course, of course. Uh, and then the Kings C Edmonton towards the end of the season again. Not even, like a week after. So.
2: Yeah, and by then, actually the 19th is, is also the trade deadline. Right. So that's, there's a lot going on on that day.
0: Right, and that's probably the next time we'll record is kind of post-trade deadline. Get an episode Hopefully, out. Yeah, hoping so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's it's there. It's it's there for the Kings. They control their own destiny, and that's you can't really ask for more. The way we kind of prognosticated this season, not just us, many people like to say like your destiny's in your own hands with twenty something games left. That's that's pretty good.
2: Yeah. And I think especially if you look back at how they started, right? Like. Was it one five and one, or some? I forget how. But they were something, bad. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, they they were bad coming out of the gate. They lost a lot of one goal games. They it took a while for them to gel. But turn of the calendar again, January on, they have been just playing lights out hockey, and you know this isn't a you know. A epiphany of a statement on my part. I've, I've heard this conversation happen already, but like, does Todd McClellan now slip into the...
0: Yeah, it's a legit question.
2: I mean, right?
0: Jack Adams, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I feel like it's Daryl's to lose at the moment, yes. if, especially if Calgary wins a division. But we've talked about this before, that the Jack Adams tends to go to the coach that coaches the team that overperforms what you thought they were going to be. Yes. I look at the rest of these playoff teams, okay. I don't know if I see anything else that's that's a shocking to me, and I feel comfortable saying that as a Kings fan. I don't know if there's a more shocking team being in their position right now, save for Calgary. It's us and Calgary. I think
0: probably true. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If Ger- maybe Gerard. Get some consideration too.
2: Yeah, New York. Okay.
0: Um. Pittsburgh.
2: But Pittsburgh, I mean Pittsburgh's always kind of there, right?
0: They are, but I mean, they were they were so hot at some point, and I don't think anyone kind of expected that kind of performance out of them. So there's there's options, but I I would. Yeah, I would make a case for Todd McClellan. And we've been critical of him. And we questioned, I don't know if we questioned him when we, he was hired or to question the the hiring itself. But we haven't always been too kind to him, but he's done a good job. Um, front office has done a good job. so.
2: I think he very easily slips into that conversation. And especially now because, at least on Twitter and stuff, I'm seeing – you know, with games against Boston when the Kings win, I'm seeing more national pundits start making statements like, Man, watch out for the Kings. Like, oh, look at them coming on. Like So when I see stuff like that, that's when I start thinking, Okay, now we're making some progress. And I know uh I know Jesse's brought this up a couple of times, Jesse Cohen's brought this up a couple of times, but I think it goes hand in hand with the idea that if McClellan slips into this conversation, then I think Rob Blake definitely slips into the kind of the executive of the year conversation with the signings, the um, the trade for Arvidsson. I think all those things definitely kind of put you in that position.
0: Agreed. And let's just go over the list of things we questioned earlier in the year. Todd McClellan was one. That was like a couple of years ago. Um, Victor Arvidsson was two, Philip Deneau was three, and they've all worked out quite well. I I think the Arvidsson situation specifically, I think our concern was like, you know, coming off an injury, is he the same player? Can he get you 20? Um, Yes to all the answers, apparently. Especially yeah, with his style of play, right? Like it's something that concerns you as as a player ages. He kind of plays with a little bit of reckless abandon. So.
2: Right, and you know his injury was a very fluky one. Oddly so enough, like it had advantage. yeah, it really had nothing to do with his style of play at all. I mean, that could have happened to really anyone. Um, but you always worry, you know. It, Week to week diagnosis, like we talked about, that always makes you worry about. Like, is is it going to be week to week? Is it going to extend to like, oh, maybe before playoffs, that kind of thing? Um, not to not to downplay the role that Trevor Moore has had on that line. I don't think anyone had Trevor Moore being the kind of player that he's become, but it's all it's all really worked. All of it has really, really worked, and I think they deserve a tremendous amount of credit for the team that they've put together, and doubly so if. If we don't even feel the absence of these guys, God willing, over the next few weeks, right? Absolutely. Like if, if the next man up comes up and you don't even feel it, then, dude, you got you got something good going on here. I think yeah. in my mind,
0: absolutely agree, and and that's kind of the feeling I get, and that's kind of it's hopeful, but but that's kind of the vibe I get is that they'll be all right. Look, man, velardi's still in the minors, is <laughs> like scoring pretty well. You know, I think Jared Anderson Dolans looks pretty good. In his few games, like he's not, you know, his game impact, I think, isn't quite there yet, but he's noticeable in in a very positive way. Obviously, Athens here, like we said, contributing. So, there's a lot there that they can, Leas Anderson, right, is um, doing well in Ontario too.
2: You almost forget, you forget you have these guys, honestly. (laughs) uh,
0: Yeah, so... It's it's a roster built for next man up.
2: But that being said, do you think now, with the injuries, do you think the Kings make any moves? I mean, obviously, Edler coming back, and that's kind of been hinted at as, as like the quote-unquote trade deadline move that they're going to make is bringing back the guy they already had.
0: God, I hate that. It's like the worst <laughs> hockey cliche. Well, we're adding this guy at the deadline, and he's been out for months. It's like our <laughs> deadline acquisition, or when someone comes off, LTIR, I don't like that at all, but, um, you know, I think, at not this point. Not that getting point,
2: Edler back is a bad thing. No, I mean, absolutely was... not,
0: especially with, you know, Anderson being hurt now.
1: I think, it, I, I hesitate
0: to even say, I think it's just going to be depth moves, because they have... <laughs> especially on forward i mean how much deeper if you're gonna get a depth guy why not just use some of the guys you have
2: yeah it's fair you know it's fair
0: i just don't like are you gonna get
2: a better i will say
0: ish, like a middle <clears throat> six bottom six forward than what you have
2: I, I i will say i've i've softened very much on the idea of well, I shouldn't say I soft it. I guess I'm I'm kind of in two camps of if they were going to get anyone, who would they get? I still think that if there's a trade, a reasonable trade out there to get a Jake Chikrin, I think you look into that because he's got term, he's young, et cetera. Yeah, of
0: course.
2: That and kind of go thing. There, yeah. But if that's not going to work out, you don't like the price, you don't want to pay it, I'm okay with that. I think there's a move – can reasonably make without giving up much of anything and get yourself a good depth defenseman like a third pairing veteran guy who can who can play some minutes there and maybe help stabilize a little bit um i think a move like that might be worth making
0: but they're getting edler <laughs> <laughs> they're getting that guy Well, even but you're right now. I i jest, of course. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. If you, I'm all for swinging for the fences with Chick Rim because it's a long term play, it's not just a one season kind of play.
2: Yeah, no rentals, No, no like expensive rentals, I should say.
0: Right, I think you get a that specific defenseman you talked about, I think could be a rental.
2: Yeah, cuz you don't lose anything cuz it's not going right. to cost you that much to get a guy like that. At least I don't I don't think it would. I'm not talking like Ben Sherrod or someone like that. I'm, you know, I'm talking deeper, farther down the the totem pole there.
0: Yeah, Ben Sherrod. prettiest girl at the prom all of a sudden. <laughs> Very confusing.
2: Yeah. S- standards change, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> year to year.
2: But uh the name that came up that I thought was kind of interesting was, was actually uh, Brett Kulak off mm-hmm. of Montreal, who actually has some pretty solid underlying metrics from a defensive side and um, very reasonable salary. One, you, you know, he would be a rental, obviously. I just, I think, I think he'd be a guy that wouldn't cost a heck of a lot to get. Like, I think you'd get him for some picks if you wanted to or a mid-level prospect. Probably and, true. And would, and would fill that role perfectly.
0: Is he so, a left-handed shot guard? He is. Hello.
2: He is. He's a lefty, my friend.
0: First Please. rounder.
2: I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't just throw these names out without at least having done the research of the handedness of the player.
0: <laughs> 28 years old.
2: He's 28, and he's a UFA. So yeah. if you if you liked what you saw in the 18-game tryout period, there's room there to, to sign him and bring him back. And I think he fits a potential organizational need. Just a thought, just to Not, name. Hey, I'm, a
0: name. A no-risk move is probably what I expect. Yeah. So yeah. I'll set my expectations there, and... I won't be disappointed. Nope. Only pleasantly surprised if somehow Chickering lands in LA. But Yeah,
2: there you go. All right. Anything else we should talk about? I don't know. Yeah.
0: I mean, we could go around the league just real quick. I mean, we covered the sure. Pacific, I think, pretty well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Florida's a machine.
2: Still humming. There, there really hasn't been a lot of shift. There really across hasn't. the course of the year. I mean, the teams that we, you know, for what it's worth, the teams that we thought were going to be good have, by and large, been good. Again, we've talked about how the Islanders have been the big surprise, and even they're inching towards five hundred yeah. now. And, I'll, and I'll, throw a respectable. I'll
0: throw Winnipeg. in there too. Okay, for me because I had high, higher expectations for them, but.
2: But I mean, they're running the out cen- of time. The Central is just a murderer's row, though. So I, I don't. It doesn't surprise me that of those teams in the Central, they're the one that's kind of, you know, falling into sixth through no fault of their own.
0: Yeah, I certainly thought they'd they'd be better than Dallas and Nashville. Hmm. I did. They lost Nick Ehlers for a long time, and that really hurts. I know it, with all the kind of forward talent they have, it shouldn't, but I feel like he's the straw that stirs that drink. Yeah. He's a phenomenal player. And I think Hellebucks had a pretty subpar season in general
2: okay so so i would say surprise wise then the rangers instead of the islanders in the metro and if you want to say when you know nashville or dallas instead of winnipeg everything else has been pretty much what we said it would be and I'm not like – I don't think it was just us. I think a lot of people were saying that. But like the teams that you thought were going to be good in every other division have been good. The Pacific has really been the the one that's been a bit topsy-turvy.
0: Yeah, I think Philly, man, actually.
2: Philly – I
0: remember us kind of having
2: I, – I I guess I never thought they'd be this bad. This but
0: is atrocious.
2: It's really bad. This is lottery really
0: territory.
2: Yeah, and now they might dump off Giroux at the deadline.
0: They, I think they absolutely will. Treat him
2: they should they should because he's still a very productive player if he ends up on colorado like i've heard mentioned numerous times god that team <laughs>
1: that's not fair
2: as as excited as i am going to be for the kings to play playoff hockey i'm gonna hate it when they have to play colorado
0: no one's gonna, gonna like be, it in no, the west
2: no um yeah, I never. I guess I never thought Philly would be that bad, man. But here they have.
0: They're yeah. really. I mean, eighteen wins. That's that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. They, I think they have uh, minus fifty-two goal differential, which is the worst it's in awful. the division. Second, no, third worst in the East. Buffalo and Montreal. Montreal yeah, they, has <sighs> has been playing really well. The last like eight games and they're still
2: (laughs) that's the Marty Saint Louis effect, baby.
0: They're still so bad that like they're a lock for (laughs) number one or two, I believe. But
2: you know what though, dude? I as long as the more important things are happening, like Cole Caulfield is scoring again. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like you you can't go through a season where that dude is on a slump for the entire season. That is that is a terrible thing. But to see him scoring again, I think I don't know. You can accept the team being terrible so long as you're seeing motion in the right direction. But yeah.
0: Honestly, Edmonton's been pretty disappointing in general. I know they have a a good record. But I can't remember if we had them winning the division, but
2: no, we had them second. We
0: had them challenging at least. But
2: I think we come- both thought Vegas was going to take the division. Yeah,
0: I think it comes down to one thing at the end of the day. Their goal is freaking yeah. atrocious. Their team defense isn't great, don't get me wrong. But they get – like once in a blue moon, Koskinen will have a good game. And once in a bluer moon, Mike Smith might have a, right. a good game. But that's just not enough. Like most nights they're allowing four or five goals. Each so I'd be stunned if they're not all in on a goalie at the deadline. (sighs) Like, they should throw everything at Chicago for Flurry.
2: Flurry's told Chicago he doesn't want to move.
0: Oh, that happened
2: straight up told them, like, don't trade me. Well, then, (laughs) isn't that wild? A
0: couple of months ago, I would have said the Kings should throw Johnny Quick at them, but yeah, seems like that is not. A good idea.
2: Anymore. Nope. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe we stick with the tandem for another year.
0: Maybe so. um But yeah, they need a goalie. I mean, I, I, it's so bad that like I would go out. I would call like I don't know.
2: Craig Anderson from Buffalo. I would call,
0: I would call Dallas and be like, "What's up? Like, you guys got a lot of goalies? So give me some. Give me any of them." Although they moved, they already moved. Thing though, Kudobin, I believe.
2: Is he even playing? I thought he was.
0: I, I don't know what he's doing, but he's not there anymore is my point. Um, but if Holt, like if Andre's the guy, which it's becoming. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. It looks like it might be headed that way. Like. Yeah. I call for Holt the all day, man. Yeah. Got to get something in there. Yeah. I
2: hear you. I hear you. Although, something. man, <laughs> good luck to them. Best of best of luck. Never all right episode 81
0: man it's,
2: it's a good be. number it's it's a good i've because i've always of, liked because of a couple of slovakian papa, yeah. players big papa pump
0: miro shatan big papa pump Marian hosa there's got to be a couple more that i'm missing but
2: i can look that up but the uh um there's three kings who have worn the number 81, which surprises me because it is, is such funny. a good number. It's, it's, it's a but it's solid number. it's not a number. king's
0: history number, you know? Like, it's I fair. can't think of anyone significant that wore that number.
2: Yeah. So there's three players who what have did worn...
0: I lower he wore a weird-ass number. 88. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. I'll remember that for seven there episodes you. from now. There you
2: go. There you go.
1: Um. Are they
0: popular-slash-well-known players?
2: Um, so one of them was a one-year placeholder number, that was okay. then ch- which was then changed. Okay. The other two are not.
0: <sighs> Probably going to need years.
2: Uh, the most recent one was 2019, and that was the Goddammit. placeholder number that was the placeholder
0: and, and I'm guessing this player is still on the team correct in a bigger role correct is it a defenseman it is is it mikey anderson
2: no you're close though matt roy yes okay
0: i knew it was 20. one or the other
2: yeah. yeah yeah okay so you got that one yeah uh the next one is 2014 really yep
1: How many games?
2: Three, although I feel like I've heard his name longer than that. Hmm. It's a tough one, man. It really is.
0: All right. I uh, Waving the flag.
2: Andrew Campbell.
0: Yeah, that is a tough one. I remember his face. Yeah. yeah. Definitely not his number.
2: Yep, and then the last one uh was, uh eighty seven eighty eight. Oh wow! For ni- for nineteen games.
0: That's before I started making King's memories that have mm. lasted. So I there's law. Lo- there's no way. I I mean I'm I'm pretty good with even history before my time, but
2: no worries. I got a, uh,
0: It's gonna be a swing and a miss.
2: Craig Laughlin.
0: Okay. Yeah. See.
2: No. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen games, twelve points. So uh your options are the critical <laughs> off <laughs> this is not exactly a uh a uh <laughs> high priced casino buffet it's the of...
0: who's who. <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is again makes me really sad because I like this number.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean it's we're we're gonna go off the king's board here. We're gonna go to we're gonna call an audible and decide who the greatest number eighty one in okay. NHL history okay. is. Okay.
2: Okay. So, uh, your options are probably interestingly enough. Uh, you you got two of them, and then Phil Kessel would be the other. That's right. Eighty one. Uh,
0: right. Probably Probably. And- hmm. No host. I think Hosa... Hossa's oh, it's a Hall of, it's, hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's 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 Hossa for sure. Uh, and then the other 81s, uh, at least listed when the NHL did this, went to their own voting. uh Marcia So and Lars, Lars Eller were the other 81s mm. that came up. So having a having a fine year. Good player. Yeah.
0: Free 99 for Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, Marion Hossa. I I got to go with that. That is the Marion (laughs) Host episode.
2: You know what? He's from Trenson and Marion Gabrick was also from Trenson. So by the law, that's right. So by the was he from Trent? No, I don't believe so. Uh, I will look this up. I don't believe he was from Trenson, but I will look it up. I think uh, Demetra might have been. Demetra might have been um
0: they all kind of knew each other and loved each other and chara and that's all right all those guys and kinda. so by
2: the transitive slovakian property uh there you go that's now this is somehow the marion hosa episode only so two
0: degrees of separation
2: there you are there you are uh yeah dimitra played at duke letrenson
1: at, at one point
0: yeah all right well well, there we are. I, I have a feeling we're going to keep the Slovak theme going next episode.
2: Oh, look at you! I'm ready. You're ready for, and waiting for the
0: Marty Straka episode. Next episode. If he's not the only one, I'm going to be severely upset.
2: He's the only one. I'll okay. I'll, I'll, I'll lay off of you now. Great. Great. Wait now. I now I'm questioning whether hosts ever played for Trenton. Damn it! I got I've got all my Slovaks mixed be up. Embarrassed. Oh, God. For
0: not knowing.
2: He played for Trentson. Yes. Yes. He played for Trentson. Yes. Nailed it. All right. All right. Good. All right. So until the, until the Marty Straka episode, we'll let it marinate. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for uh, likes, uh, subscribes, reviews, uh, the Twitter interaction. Keep it coming. Uh, If there's anything in particular, that comes to mind that you'd like us to discuss or questions to answer please by all means drop us a tweet or something uh until then bye everyone you've been listening to the bannerman an la king's podcast